Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Today's conversation features Corey Brightwell, the CEO of Choose Fitness, on the subject of state fitness alliances. We talk about how state alliances can be most effective, why you should consider investing in a lobbyist, and advice for operators navigating a second or third wave of shutdowns. Enjoy. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me um, on the subject sure. of state alliances, shutdowns, things like that. So I'll just go ahead and dive in if that works for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I know that you do have clubs in a number of states. Are you in multiple state alliances or which ones are you involved in? Um, officially, I'm on the advisory board for the California Fitness Alliance and the Colorado Fitness Coalition. We don't have a alliance set up in New Mexico yet, but we have collaboration among several operators. Okay. Well, I think it's great that you're involved in two state alliances because I think you'll really be able to speak to, you know, the impact that they're having, you know, in your opinion, what impact our state alliance is having for the fitness industry. It's definitely state by state dependent. Um, And depending on the size of the state and the size of your alliance and who has particular connections within the alliance, um, really, in my opinion, has dictated the efficacy of these alliances. Um, You know, we've had much greater success in Colorado um, getting to and working with the governor and his team have have certainly had good conversations in California as well, just not as uh, fruitful of an outcome. So it's really dependent on the state and the decision makers that are within the state. And again, the ability to get a seat at the table with those decision makers. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Colorado Fitness Alliance, because I know you guys did have a recent win there where um, it was a little bit unclear if clubs were going to need to re-shut down. And then after, you know, you guys were able to get in touch with government officials, they actually allowed you to reopen. Is that correct? That's stay open. Yeah, they they allowed us to to remain open. Um, And we've had good We've had good communication with the governor and his team there since we started our coalition back in August. And so they they were already aware of our industry. Um, there was great data, uh, contact tracing data out of Colorado that had shown zero outbreaks had occurred at health clubs and fitness facilities. So that was huge for us when these decision makers are saying they're following data and science we had that to present to them. They were the ones producing that data. So um, it got very down to the wire on on being shut down at a more restrictive tier and basically agreed with all of the key elements, the key points we were trying to make as it related to the data, the reasons behind why health clubs and fitness facilities are safer than most other industries why we are a good partner in contact tracing. We have members, not customers. Um, And then also really leveraging the fact that we have a large database of members who we can communicate with at a touch of a button, whether it's email blasts, uh, push notifications, social media postings, and um, and they listened. And that's all we we really asked for. Um, That was a win that we got over a month ago. And then a couple of weeks ago, 
they restructured their tier system. And as cases continue to get worse, we uh, were again threatened with being shut down at the most restrictive tier. However, they did allow us to remain open at a 10% capacity number, which they admitted they know is not sustainable or survivable for us. But, um, it, you know, it, it's not great, but it was something. And now we're working hard to get that 10% changed to 25%. So we got a seat at the table. They're listening. They're collaborative. They're making measured decisions rather than, um, you know, decisions that are politically driven or reactionary based on the cases that they're seeing. Yeah. Well, um, are there any other benefits to state alliances that you think would be good to highlight or just any wins that you've been able to achieve through the state alliances you're a part of? Yeah, I mean, some key elements to these alliances being effective from what I've noticed is you truly want an advisory board that can represent uh, the full spectrum of fitness facility operators, whether it's a small mom and pop studio all the way up to a large big box health club, um, even dance studios or karate studios. Those are folks who need representation. And instead of having each, each sector of the industry create their own advocacy, coming together as one alliance seems to be the most effective. So you have one voice and the decision makers are hearing from one party. So um, definitely trying to ensure that each alliance has that broad spectrum of representation on the advisory board so that all types of health clubs and facilities can be helped and represented in our cause. And then really just trying to figure out what the best way is to get a seat at the table with the decision makers, whether it's through connections from folks who are part of the alliance, or in some cases, it may mean uh, hiring a lobbyist firm, which we've done both in Colorado and California. Um, and you know, even then you'll, you could see great results or no change in the results, but, um, you know, there's certainly an element at play of getting the decision makers to the table table so they can hear you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about lobbyists and your thoughts on if they're worth the investment. Um, do you feel that they are, if you can afford it? I do. Um, I think that, again, they, they can help you establish the lines of communication and, and begin building a relationship with the decision makers. I do still think it's going to be state dependent. Um, we've had much better success in Colorado than we have in California. Uh, but I do think that the lobbyists have still helped us in California. Yeah. Um, for any other operators who might be thinking of starting a state alliance, any other tips that you'd give them for um, how they can have the most impact? Yeah, again, I would just focus on making sure you have a, a broad representation for the industry on uh, the advisory board or the folks who are leading the alliance um, so that folks who join the alliance do feel fully represented and not like they're, um, you know, a redheaded stepchild that doesn't meet the criteria that the advisory board and decision makers really fall within. Um, I'd also ensure that doing it sooner than later is, is, is better versus being reactionary. Um, you know, many alliances were not formed until there were looming shutdowns in the near future. future. In California, we began forming our alliance soon after the initial shutdown. So we started forming it in April knowing that we'd have a, a very long uphill battle ahead of us. 
And that, that proved to be very helpful in getting reopened much earlier than we anticipated the first time. Um, in Colorado, it was a little bit more reactionary once cases started getting a little bit out of control and more restrictions were being put in place is when we decided, okay, it's time to form an alliance. So if you're in a state that doesn't have an alliance yet or any type of coalition uh, or co collaboration between operators, I highly recommend being proactive and creating that, that group so that you can begin conversations with uh, state and local officials uh, who are making the decisions for your state and essentially for your business. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer -peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Yeah, well, you've, you know, unfortunately had to go through the shutdown process multiple times um, in California and then um, had it fears in other states. Um, what advice would you give to other operators who might be just now facing a second wave of shutdowns? Yeah, so we've actually faced two shutdowns in Arizona and New Mexico and three in California. I would say the biggest negative impact uh, be, besides the economic, the obvious economic impact of having to pause revenue streams again, having to go back, <clears throat> excuse me, and negotiate with, with landlord partners on, on how they can help you with rent deferrals or rent abatements is really the morale that gets crushed within your team. Um, you know, them having to go on and off of unemployment and not really have full faith and trust anymore in the industry being able to remain open is, is tough. So I would just be aware that that's going to that's gonna definitely impact the morale of your team if and when there is a second shutdown. So anything you can do to help build that up um, while you're still open and even when you are shut down again, if that happens, keep the communication going, keep the morale as high as possible. Let them know that, you know, you're going to fight through this and there is light at the end of the tunnel. We just got to keep our heads down. It's going to be a long winter, but we'll get through it. We got to do it together. And uh, yeah, really just focusing in on, on the, the morale element so that when you are able to reopen again, you have the teams that you had before and they're in good spirits and they're excited to get going again. Um, but I definitely noticed a big drop in morale um, during second and third shutdowns. Yeah. Well, any other learning lessons that you feel like the industry as a whole has gleaned over the past 10 months from this experience? I think the biggest is that we have a we can have a pretty powerful voice if we come together and, and collaborate and, and work together. It's a, it's a highly competitive industry, but when competitors come together and work together, we can be a pretty powerful, strong, united industry, united voice that can, can make some big changes as it relates to how our industry is being treated, not only in this pandemic, but just moving forward and, and how our industry is looked at and the voice that our industry should have from a national level and international level. And then also at the, at the state and local levels, um, I think it's great opportunity to finally put our industry in the light that it deserves to be in. Not that most people, not the one that most people kind of have in the, in the back of their minds as it relates to gyms. I think we all learned very quickly as the, pan, as the pandemics and lockdowns occurred uh, most folks thought, well, gyms are dirty. Gyms are not going to be a safe environment. Well, we're eight or nine months into this now, and 
as a nation, we've proven that we are safe. We're one of the safest. Um, and it's now our opportunity to lean in on that and lean in on the, on the uh, you know, really optics that we have to uh, show that we're not only a safe industry, but an essential industry to help keep our patient healthy. So that's, that's really been a, a pleasant eye-opening experience in being able to collaborate with fierce competitors, folks that I rarely spoke with before because you know, we're, we're a dog eat dog world in terms of competing against one another. And all of a sudden you come together and you work together and, and it's, it's a powerful thing. You learn from one another, um, you share best practices. And I think uh, at the end of the day, the ships will rise with the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of people that have said one bright spot of the pandemic has been the relationships that they've been able to build with people, um, vendors, competitors, clubs across the U.S. And yeah, that has been a one good thing that has come out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, definitely made some new friends. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, I didn't, I don't have any other questions. Is there any final pieces of advice that you'd share on either just state alliances or navigating shutdowns, anything like that? Again, I, I would be proactive. Um, don't, don't get complacent wherever your state may be in this pandemic, as it relates to shutdowns or restrictions. Um, be proactive, get a group together, create a voice at the state and local levels, and then start reaching out immediately to the decision makers so that they can be informed about what we are doing as an industry to keep our communities safe and our communities healthy, because a lot of them don't know it. They're managing so many different industries right now and navigating this pandemic, and they need to hear and see what we are doing because what we are doing is special, it's unique, and it should be standing out from all other industries right now. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to just not knowing as well. I was um, talking to someone earlier and they were educating me on like the air turnover rates in gyms in certain states. And even I didn't realize that a lot of gyms have more restrictions or guidelines in terms of how often air needs to be turned over compared to, let's say, a grocery store. Absolutely. It's it's um, there's so many details that we as folks who are inside the industry know about and deal with on a daily basis, but the general public and even especially the decision makers have no idea. And it's our opportunity to inform them and enlighten them. Awesome. Well, Corey, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and join me on the podcast today. 